Hello and welcome to the Anchor Faith Message Podcast. Enjoy this message. This morning, if you have your Bibles, turn over to Luke chapter 10. We're going to talk about all heart today. All heart. Amen. I do want to remind you as you're turning over to Luke chapter 10 that Matthew 15, 3 says this, why do you transgress the commandments of God for the sake of your tradition? And I say that because a lot of times, you know, especially in the United States of America, I mean, churches abound. Can I just say that? Churches abound. I mean, really, you can't almost, you can almost not go in any community and there's like two, three, four, five churches. Some, there's hundreds. Plenty of Churches. Now, I'm not going to say that they all preach the same thing. They all do the same thing. And I'm not accountable for that. I'm only accountable for the congregation called Anchor Faith Church. But what I will say is that sometimes we will develop habits by going to churches that because we don't read the Bible ourselves as saints, we take it for specific value the person preaching knows exactly what they're talking about. And if they said it, then it must be God. Now, I've said this for years here, and I'll continue to say it. You're not obligated to believe anything I say because I say it. You should search the scripture yourself to see that it's so. Now, I'm not setting you up that I'm going to say something that you shouldn't believe today. I'm just saying it's not good enough that you would go and say, Lord, I believe it because Pastor Earl said it. That's not good enough. You need to say, Lord, I believe it because I searched what Pastor Earl said. I confirmed it was true by the Holy Ghost in me, and I am going to live that way from here on out. Amen. That's what I'm saying. The success that I have in my walk with God is because I have a personal, intimate relationship with him where I yield to his way of doing everything through his word and by his spirit. It's not my opinion. It's not how I want to feel and think we should handle this situation. I'm saying, Lord, what does your word say? And I'll do that. Amen. See, I've literally been crucified with Christ. It's not my will, not my way of doing, not my hopes and desires. I just want to please my heavenly father because he sent his son to die for me and redeem me out of a life of sin, death, treason, where I would be put away in an eternal prison against the kingdom called the lake of fire. But more importantly, of those things, he wanted me to be his son. Man, and if we could understand our relationship with God is more about being his son and daughter than it is about escaping hell, we would have a little more intimate time. And again, the family unit in the natural is broken down so much across the world that most people don't even understand the concept of what a father is or what it really means to be in a family that walks in love. And so, you know, we tend to view Father God through our natural families or our natural fathers, and you cannot do that for God is not a man he is a spirit and he'll never lie to you never he'll never disappoint you he'll never fail you he'll never forsake you now you can fail him you can forsake him you can walk away from him and I know when people do they blame him but he's not left I said he's not left He's right there where he's always been with a way of escape, with a way of empowerment, with a way to set you on your feet, keep you seated in heavenly places so you can do the great things of God. Amen. Man, this life of God is more than a one-way ticket uh, to heaven. It is sonship in the earth. It is sonship in heaven. It is sonship for eternity. It is purpose. It is destiny. Can we get revelation in Jesus' name? So we don't want to have a traditional mindset. We want to have a God mindset. What is God saying? And we want to be obedient children and love him. So we see here Jesus, the king. Is Jesus the king? Yeah. Did Jesus save the world? He saved the world because he's king. Okay. And in Luke chapter 10, Jesus says this. It says, starting in verse 25, he is questioned by a lawyer. It says, a lawyer stood up and put him, that's Jesus, to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now, Jesus says, and he said to him, what is written in the law? Notice how Jesus responds. What's the word say? Well, if Jesus responds that way, why do we want to respond with our opinion? 
Well, you know, CNN says. Well, you know, Fox says. You know, Dr. Fauci says. You know, President Joe Biden says. Mayor so-and-so says. Mama said. Auntie said. Grandma said. The pastor said. Why don't we go, what's the word say? Hallelujah. And you know, you can't give a what's the word response if you're not in the word. If you're not in the word. And being in the word is actually taking the time to read it cover to cover. Genesis 1, 1 to Revelations 22, 21. In fact, I finished the 2021 Bible reading plan yesterday. Finished it. Done. I'm on to the next year. I'm getting ahead. Amen. Amen. All right. And it says this, he says, what is, it, what is written in the law? How does it read to you? And he answered. Now, notice Jesus is checking his lens. Because, again, many people can go to the scripture on how it reads to you. But if you let it read to you a way that he doesn't intend you to read it, then you're going to have to change the way you read it. That's why Jesus' Sermon on the Mount said, You've heard the ancients say, Thou shalt not... But I say unto you, meaning you got this word, you're interpreting it through a tradition, you're not taking it to heart like dad minute, and I'm here to clarify it. All right. He says this, and he answered, that's the lawyer, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Let's read that again. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. Let's do it again. And you shall love the Lord your God with all, all your heart and with all. your soul and with all. your strength and with all. your mind and your neighbor as yourself. Notice all is there. Yes. So you got to get all in. You got to get all in. As long as you're not all in, you're not going to experience what God wants you to experience. Because let's go on. Verse 28. And he said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. So if we can just do this, we can find life. Now, at another passage, I believe it was a Matthew account when he's talking about this. He says that all of the law and the prophets hinge on this. Why? There's a principle within this that carries into the new covenant we're in today, a way that we're supposed to live and respond, and the word all is associated with it. Now, let's go over to the uh, Mark account. Mark chapter 12. We'll start in verse 28. And I'm going to read out of the Passion Translation because this is really good context because I want you to see he gives a little more insight, or uh, Mark does, concerning uh, an encounter God has uh, about this particular statement. Now, Jesus is in a situation, let's give a quick backstory, is that religious leaders are basically questioning God. They're really trying to trap him. In essence, there's a group of people having a discussion with Jesus, not because they want to change, but they want to kill Jesus. So that lets me know as a pastor, not everybody who has a question about the Bible wants to be different. Some just want to make me look like I'm an idiot. That's their intent, right? They don't want to actually know. They don't want to change. They don't want to be different, okay? And so, you know, you got to be able to discern that when people aren't being honest about wanting to get an answer so that they'll live different. And Jesus is kind of in this situation right now where they're like questioning him, asking all these questions, you know, just basically, you know, giving him a bunch of pop quiz, so to speak. What do you know? Because they're trying to trip him up. But it says here in verse 28, now a certain religious scholar overheard them debating. And when he saw how beautifully Jesus answered all their question, he posed one of his own and asked him, teacher, which commandment is the greatest of all? Jesus answered to him, the most important of all the commandments is this. The Lord Yahweh, our God, is one. You are to love the Lord Yahweh, your God, with every passion of your heart, with all the energy of your being, with every thought that is within you, and with all your strength. 
This is the great and supreme commandment. And the second is this. You must love your neighbor. You must love your neighbor in the same way you love yourself. You will never find a greater commandment than these. The religious scholar replied, yes, that's true. Teacher, you spoke beautifully when you said that God is one and there is no one else beside him. And there is something more important to God than all the sacrifices and burnt offerings. It's the commandment to constantly love God with every passion of your heart, with every thought, with your every thought and with all your strength and to love your neighbor in the same way as you love yourself. Now, look what it says in verse 34. When Jesus noticed how thoughtfully and sincere the man answered. He said to him, you're not far from the reality of God's kingdom realm. The New American Standard says it this way. It says, you are not far from the kingdom of God. He said, after that, no one dared to question him again. So there's something about loving the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself that gives you access to the kingdom, to kingdom living, to true expression of where the kingdom of God is being demonstrated through your life. And you cannot have this demonstration if you're not all in. It's not going to happen. I'm telling you, it's not going to happen. Now, notice Jesus said to this man in verse 34, he said, when he noticed Jesus, when Jesus noted how thoughtfully and sincere the man answered, what does that mean when he noticed? What was it that he was noticing? Well, the answer is actually in Hebrews chapter four. In Hebrews chapter four, it gives us an insight of how God deals with us. Now, we know that John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then the 14th verse of the same chapter, John 1 says, and the Word became So when Jesus was in planet Earth, he is the Word of God manifest in human form. So when he was around people, he is the Word of God. I said, he is the word of God. I said, he is the word of God. Now, look what Hebrews chapter 4, 12 tells us the word of God does. He says, for we have the living word of God, which is full of energy, like a two-mouthed sword. It will even penetrate to the very core of our being where uh, soul and spirit, bone and marrow meet. That is the threefold nature of man, spirit, soul, and body. It interprets, look what it does. It interprets and reveals the what? True thoughts and secret motives of our heart. How often will it do it? There is not one person, say not one person. Turn to your neighbor and say not even you. Look to your other neighbor and say not even you. There's not one person who can hide their thoughts from God. For nothing that we do remains a secret and nothing created is concealed, but everything is exposed and defenseless before the eyes to whom we must, we must render an account. Ah, oh, thank you, Jesus. Don't you know God knows your heart? I said, God knows your heart. And man, you know, when people say, well, the Lord knows my heart, you can look back at him and say, you bet he does. Now, in my experience as a pastor, typically when someone has said that is because they're upset because I'm like, your lifestyle's demonstrating something contrary to the kingdom, and I want to talk to you about it. And they're miffed about the fact that we are talking about something they're doing that isn't in context with the kingdom of God. So what do they do? They put up a barrier of defense, they put a wall around themselves, and then they spout out, God knows my heart. You bet he does. Because you're fooling nobody. You're not fooling him. You can fool your brother. You can fool your wife. You can fool your employee. You can fool pastors at a church. You can fool half the world for that matter. You can fool the whole world. But you never one time ever in your lifetime have you fooled God about what's really going on on the inside of you. Ain't happened. 
He's not fooled one bit. He's not fooled when you raise your hand and you have malice in your heart. He's not fooled one bit when you're telling a, a complete stranger about how much God cares for them, but you hate your brother at church. He's not fooled one bit. Not one time is he fooled with any of that stuff. He's not fooled about anything you're holding on to, anything you're, willing, you're unwilling to lay down, all the things in your life that you haven't given all to God, he's aware of. I said he's aware of it. And so this conversation that Jesus has here in Mark's account, he peers into the man's secret motives. And says, I know why you're doing what you're doing. And what did he perceive? This guy actually wants an honest answer. And he wants the kingdom. And I'm going to let him know, you're not far from it. If you'll keep moving in this direction. If you'll keep get revelation of loving the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, and your neighbor as yourself. Because see, as new believers in Christ, how can we not give all? Notice every law, all of you, all of you who came into the kingdom. Do you believe Jesus gave all? Do you believe he gave all? Is that not why the sacrifice he made, his death, burial, and resurrection is more than enough? Is the, pray, the, the, the price, the payment necessary? It's the only thing that has the power to redeem you and forgive you of all your wrongdoing. Because he had to give all. Notice we want Jesus to give all, but we don't want to give all in return. Yet Jesus demands it. He said, now you're going to have to love me. You want me to tell you how much daddy loved you? He sent me. And since I love like dad loves, I did exactly what dad said. Even death on the cross. I went ahead and laid down my life. I emptied myself of heaven and its glory and that existence with my dad to get planted in an earth suit so that I could redeem humanity after Adam fell from dominion so that I could get sonship back to you. I could get dominion back to you. I could get rulership. And it cost me everything. And yet we want a ticket out of hell. We want just enough to make sure we're in and not out. Yet Jesus said, you're gonna, if, you want, if you want the kingdom to start really manifesting, you're not far from the kingdom when you begin to show all. All, all, all. Romans chapter 14, verse 7 and 8 says this, For not one of us lives for himself, and not one dies for himself. For if we live, we live for the Lord, and if we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. Do you understand? He's the Lord of the living and the dead. So even those who in this lifetime do not call on the name of the Lord to be saved, he's still their Lord. Now, what he's not is he's not their savior. This is why I've said to you, if Adam had never eaten the fruit, Jesus never would have had to be savior. Wouldn't have had to come as a savior. But Jesus has always been Lord. He's always been Lord. He's always had authority. He's always had supreme authority. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But when Adam ate the fruit, did what dad said not to do, and sin entered the world, dad said, in order for man to be restored back to the place I originally created him, I'm going to have to come as a man, send my son as a man to, to make the payment, to pay the price. <coughs> Excuse me. He's going to have to lay down his life, and I'll take it back up by the Spirit, so that man can be reunited with me. It's going to cost me my son. Wow. Everything. But he was Lord before he ever did that. Because if he never had come, 
I said, if he never had come, if the Lord says in his conversation, when it came to Noah, he said, I regret I even made man. Remember he said that? So he creates a flood, but he doesn't annihilate the human species because he's bound to his own word. And his word in Genesis 1:26 was let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion. So God has to have a human species that will be as he has decreed as king of all creation. That's why he has to keep people in the earth. He has to get a bloodline. He has to show back up in the form of a man so that man can be redeemed and put back into a place of dominion and sonship. Because he could have just said, well, I'll just judge them all. We'll just go ahead and judge everything here and we'll be done. Because he's already Lord. So he's the Lord of the living and the dead. Aren't you glad you're alive, though? So our action then, once we're born again, we have to ask ourselves the question, and you answer it. You already know this answer. I'm just trying to stir you up by way of reminder. Why? Because as the end continues to get closer to us, the Bible's very clear that there is a season by which those that were in the church are going to fall away. That means they're going to depart from the faith. They're going to allow the doctrines of demons and seducing spirits and their own fantasies about God dictate how they imagine God and want to worship God and they are separating from him before he returns. You want to make sure you're the group. We as the church want to make sure we're the group that does not fall into that deception. And the number one way you will not fall into deception is that you give your all. And you know if you're giving your all. You know it. You know if you're doing all you can do at this particular moment. All with your heart, all with your soul, all with your mind, and all with your strength. We know many people are giving all their strength to the world and trying to find some time to show up at church when they're not tired. See, if you're too tired to come to church, you've given the world all your strength. You've done that. I mean, if you have not walked in a way with the Lord that while you've encountered the world and you've been in the world, but not of the world and you're ministering to the world and you're being an example to the world, but you realize I got to get fueled up in the church. I need to get around my belief, uh, uh, those of like precious faith. I'm telling you right now, you're just not going to make it. It's going to be very difficult. And but why would you not want to be around the house of the Lord? Why would you not want to be engaged in reading the scripture so your mind gets renewed to the scripture? Why would you not want to have your thoughts be centered around what God's doing more so than what you can do so that the time you're 85, you're living your good best life ever on planet Earth? You understand, this is never going to be your best life ever on planet Earth. Can I give a spoiler alert? Nobody on planet Earth right now can live the best life on planet Earth like we will live when we come back in the millennial reign with Christ. So it doesn't matter. All that I have access to in this life, it will pale in comparison to the life I'll live in planet Earth when I return with the king and reign with him for a thousand years on this planet. See, my best life on the earth comes when I return with the king. So I don't get so focused on how great it can be now. I'm planning for how great it's going to be there because as I obey him now, it gives me access to more rewards when I get there whom I'm going to give an account to. And if we would start living more eternally beyond this, this measly, peasly little maybe 120 years of life, and most people stay between the 70 and 80 mark anyway, I mean, that is such a small sliver of time compared to eternity with God. I mean, we will break our backs 
to work, to save, to get retirement, to plan, to do all these things and put so much emphasis. And one way a person described this, which I thought was pretty neat since we're on the coast, is you take a little eyedropper and put one little drop in it and go out to the Atlantic Ocean and drop your little drop in that whole Atlantic Ocean. That's your life in this time compared to eternity. And yet we will sell out with all of our heart, all our soul, all of our mind, all our strength for this little sliver and have no concept of the whole time that still awaits us in eternity. It's because most people don't know what's going on in heaven anyway. Doesn't know what's going to happen with the new heaven and new earth, right? And because they have no concept, they think this is the only thing they're doing anyway. Because we will not transform into fat, naked baby angels playing harps and laying on clouds. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So King Solomon, the end parts of his life, although he was really struggling because he ended up doing things God told him not to do. But in Ecclesiastes 9.10, he did get this right in this context that whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. The problem is, is that people are trying to determine what they want to do with their hands instead of saying, Lord, what do you want me to do with your hand, my hands? This is why we've said this phrase before. The greatest tragedy in life uh, is life without purpose. The greatest challenge in life is knowing what to do. And we ministered on that on Wednesday. The greatest mistake in life is being busy and not effective. And the greatest failure in life is being successful in the wrong assignment. And I know on that day, there are going to be believers that stand before the Lord and the Lord's going to say, look at all that you did on the earth and look at all the accolades and look at all the awards and look at all. And you know what? That's your reward down there because it didn't translate up here because I never called you to do it in the first place. Now you're in, but that was never my plan for your life. Boy, I don't want to be that because the Bible clearly tells us the psalmist says that he has written my name in a book before I was in my mother's womb and before any day came to pass, he's already wrote, written a book about what he wanted my life to be. So my assignment now that I'm born again, I have the Holy Ghost, the third person of the Godhead living on the inside of me and I can hear from heaven now. I'm like, what's in your book? What did you destine for my life so that my pages down here are gonna match your pages when I get in heaven? Now, for some, that's being a business owner. For some, that's being in government. For some, that's being in education. I mean, there's different sectors of society that God wants his children to affect, be a part of, and continue to show him to the world. It's not just ministry. It's not just being called to ministry. But for some, it is called to ministry. At the end of the day, are you doing what God wanted you to do? So whatever your hand finds to do, you are to do it with all your might. Notice, though, he said, do it with all. And then he equated, because obviously this whole uh, book that he wrote was about vanity, everything that he saw, you know, it doesn't really matter because we all going to die. And he realized this. The best thing you can do is just follow the Lord. Yeah. And that's a true statement. But he said, there's no activity or planning or knowledge or wisdom in Sheol where you are going. And that time and during this dispensation, that's where everybody's going. They're going either into paradise, Abraham's bosom, because they lived a righteous life awaiting for the redemption of Jesus Christ. Or they went on down into uh, Hades itself where they were tormented and they're waiting for the great white throne judgment to be called up at that day. But we know that there is an activity after that there are things to come that we'll get to participate in because if we will do what God's asked us to do now, but how do we do it? With all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and with all of our strength. Amen. All right? So what's Colossians chapter 3, verse 17 says? It says this. In Colossians 3, 17, it says this. It says, whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him um, 
to God the Father. An expanded Greek translation would, would say verse 17 this way. In every little detail, even the smallest, most minute, minuscule detail you do, in words you allow to come out of your mouth, and every action you participate in, nothing excluded is in the, is in the name or to honor uh, that name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything we do. Everything we do. Everything. See, when you love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, you won't allow certain things to show up in your life. You won't watch certain things. You won't participate in certain things. You won't do certain things. Why? Because you want to safeguard the name. Certain behaviors you're just not going to participate in anymore. There are certain things you're just not going to say anymore. And if you find yourself doing or saying something you shouldn't, and the Holy Ghost says, what are you doing? You're quick to repent and say, no, no, that's not, that's not the way I'm supposed to do it. That's not the way I'm supposed to do it. Now, listen, we all can make mistakes. I get it. None of us are perfect. None of us are so perfect that we never miss God, although the capacity to never miss it is available. But we should become mature enough that we find ourselves not hardly missing it. In fact, if we'll walk with the Lord with all of our heart, all our soul, all our mind, and all our strength, we'll actually begin to realize when we are starting to feel a little flesh show up, that's going to cause our mouth and our actions to not honor him. And we can learn to cut it off. But many of us, I've been in that boat too. All of a sudden, a situation's taking place and some thoughts are coming and I know it's not God, but it feels good to my feeling. I'm justified because of how I was treated. And I want to say a thing. I want to act a thing. I want to do a thing. And sometimes I've let it go too far and I've said a thing. Only to realize when I actually heard myself say it outside, it was as horrible, even more so now that I let it out compared to what it sounded like on the inside. But now it's out. Now I got to repent. Now I got to ask for forgiveness. Now I have to pray that the Lord will help them disregard that thought that now they've heard and they have to take captive that I've said it. We have the capacity to be able. So whatever we do, and the question is, God knows our heart and whatever we're doing. Look at this, going down to verse 23 and 24. It says, whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. Now, why am I bringing this up? Because in these last days, as we continue to move forward, God's not making a less demand on us following and obeying him. He's like, I'm going to know who's mine. And he's forewarning us that those not all in are going to have a problem. So all you got to do is ask yourself, what do I need to do to get all in? Because here's the thing, I have found this as a pastor through the years is that when we read this scripture concerning whatever you do, do it hardly like serving. We use this with the church a lot, right? We're like, you know, come and serve the church, but you're not doing it for me. You're doing it for the Lord. Well, honestly, man, in my experience with some people, man, they're doing a, I'm surprised the Lord hadn't fired them. <laughs> because if they're actually doing it for the Lord, they really don't have much value for him. No value. They show up when they want to show up. They do what they want to do when they want to do it. And like it's just good enough. When do I see that somebody's probably not all in is when they only come to church when they're scheduled to serve. Yeah. I begin to question whether they're all in. Because if you've got to have a position, 
to come to church, to worship God, to love him, then a position ain't going to make you more holy and it's definitely not going to make you more all in. In fact, Paul said this. He said, now listen, I can only send you Timothy for he's the only like-minded as I am. We actually seek the purpose of Christ. The rest of these guys with me, they seek their own interests. Which lets me know, just because people are in positions of oversight or title doesn't mean they're all in. God knows if you're all in. Some days I want to be like, let's take everybody out of position and let them just show up to church because they wanted to. What would their worship look like? How long could they stay in the sanctuary? How early would they come to church? See, because someone all in, you don't have to beg them to be early. They want to be. You don't have to beg them to want to serve. They want to be. And when they're not on, they have no problem coming and raising their hand and worshiping God and participating any old way. And man, they just love God. But you take away a position and they begin to skate off, barely show up, pop in when they want to, move around. I mean, I feel like some of y'all, we need to pray for your bladders. You go to the bathroom so much. Now, either you really got to go or you're uncomfortable, so you leave. I'm amazed at why God would appoint this time for me to minister to his flock. And yet we think we could carry on conversations in the foyer while preaching's going on. I mean, a lot of times it's about nothing. It's not even about something really happening. I'm kind of amazed at how many people want to assume the pastor role in the foyer. Try to meet needs instead of having enough discernment says, well, it's a good thing you're in church. Pastor's preaching today. You probably should get in there. Because at the end of the day, if the Bible is God speaking to us and we know God placed the pastor in the church to bring oversight so that we can grow and learn and be excited and move with the vision, then why would we not want to be there again? I know not everyone can take notes. I get it. Not everyone, you know, that's the way they learn. No big deal. It's the way I learn. So I'll never sit without taking notes. I'm just going to do it. And I don't care who's preaching. I'm like plugged in. I mean, I want to know whether I was preaching or not. Doesn't matter. I want to grow because I'm all in on this thing. See, all I do, I'm doing as unto the Lord. Let's look at this uh, Colossians 3, 17, 23 and 24 in the Passion Translation. It says it this way. Let every activity of our lives and every word that comes from our lips be drenched with the beauty of our Lord Jesus, the anointed one. And bring your constant praise uh, to God, the Father, because of what Christ has done for you. Put your heart and soul into every activity you do as though you are doing it for the Lord himself and not merely for others. For we know that we will receive a reward and inheritance from the Lord as we serve the Lord Yahweh, the anointed one. Now, at the end of the day, not everyone's going to do the same thing here in the house or outside the house. In fact, when I say outside the house, not all of us go to the same place Monday through Saturday, right? I mean, at the end of the day, there's a sphere of influence that God uses you to touch people's lives. And that's awesome. But every day, are you waking up thinking, I need to make money? Or are you waking up saying, Lord, you're first. Who can I encounter? The money comes as I go about your business. Now, I'm going to have to work and I'm going to have to do my job and I'm going to have to engage in it as I'm supposed to. I'm not going to be lazy. I'm not going to act like I'm better than everything. I'm just going to serve wherever you've placed me. But at the end of the day, I'm really doing it for you. Now, if you do that unto the Lord, I can guarantee you promotions will come quicker. Guarantee it. Raises will come quicker. Because anybody that has someone employed that gets all into the vision that they have for their company, there's a reward, not only in this life, but you know that I'm really not doing it for the guy who hired me. I'm doing it for God. 
Now, you'll get the persecution, obviously. You'll be known as the one, you know, that's sucking up to the boss. Right? Well, you say, you're right, I am. His name's Jesus. Do you understand? He laid down his life for me. I wouldn't even have life if it wasn't for him. And the breath that he's given me and the opportunity he's given me so that I could be. They pay me so that I can tell you about Jesus. Now, again, you may not be able to stand up on a table and preach to them, but your actions and the way you respond in situations do a whole lot of preaching. They do a whole lot of preaching. Are you going to respond like everybody else in the workplace? Or are you going to say, well, what does the Bible say? How am I supposed to respond? How am I supposed to treat you? How am I supposed to do this? And un understandably know this, that some of your greatest testimony is under some of the greatest trials. When everybody expects you to act like the rest of them and you flip the switch and you let the fruits of the Spirit start manifesting in your life. Wow. You don't gossip like them. You don't backbite like them. You don't talk bad like them. You don't be a victim like them. What you do is you're like, I know who I am in Christ. I'm here to serve God. And because I'm serving God, I can serve you. Are you hearing me? Amen. He said, put your whole heart and soul into every activity you do. My gosh, man. Everything we do. But God knows if our heart's in it. He knows. And as 2022 comes, you got to not let Anchor Faith Church be like this tradition you do. You've got to make it be like it's God's purpose and mission of what I do. And whether I'm called to serve somewhere specifically or whether I oversee people that are a part of the vision... That means nothing because I'm going to give you my best, period, yes. because I'm giving God my best. Yes. See, a lot of times, sometimes I've heard it say, you know, they're just make. I, I know this. You know, I had some, some people back over in Oklahoma. We moved over and we just kind of ran with the vision and they would say stuff like, man, they work y'all too hard. They, they, make, they make too much demand out of you. Well, I don't make no demand out of you. This is just the vision. You can do what you want to do. Do you know why anyone employed with us can quit tomorrow? I mean, I don't make them stay here at all. But the vision requires things, right? And at the end of the day, what wouldn't I do for Jesus? I mean, what wouldn't I do? I mean, you want to do this. You want to look at what the world's doing with their kids. How much time... They've got them in all kinds of stuff. Running them all over the place. And churches usually last. Now let me say this. I was asked by my oldest son to help coach a flag football team this year. Yeah. The last time I checked my calendar, it was pretty doggone full. Right? I mean, most of y'all testify to me all the time. Pastor, I know you're busy. My son has no recollection of that. <laughs> hey, Dad, where I'm going to do a flag. They call me. They need me to coach. I want to know if you can help coach, right? So, you know, my first thought was, how can I pull that off? I mean, can I even pull this off, right? But I start thinking, God's really been giving us as a church a lot of opportunity in the communities. Could I carve out more time? So when I evaluate my life, you understand, there's, there's, you know, I got time actually. You know, there's still time, even all that I do. Because at the end of the day, that just means that particular night, instead of going home, I'll go to practice. Because I would go home, but instead I'll go invest in some students. Now, the cool thing is he got four coaches, which means if something does come up and I can't be there, we have others to cover. And he was wise enough to know that. Right. But the point is, is that now I get to engage in a 14 U. right? Is that right? Is it 14 U? Sean, is it 14 U? 14 U. some guy. I don't even know who they, we get to invest in them now. Now I'm the cheerleader of the whole coaching staff. Anyway, you understand the coaches, they really know what's going on. I'm just someone like, you can do this. Run harder. Push, beat your face, man. We're going to make you. I'm that guy. Right. That's the coach I am. Right. You know. 
Because he put me on defense, which I don't know why he put me on defense, because I'm really an offensive guy. I could have helped the receivers. I could have helped Rouse, man. But, you know, I'll just defer to LG, and he knows all about defense. And I'm like, you need to understand what Coach LG is doing right here. <laughs> Did you hear what Coach said? Get down there. <laughs> That's how I'm going to be. <laughs> Whatever Coach LG says, I'm going to echo. I'm going to be like Siri on the other side of the field. <laughs> all right? That's what I'm going to be. But it's opportunity. Because at the end of the day, I have to ask myself. In fact, I was at the basketball court at Flagler. Um, what day were we there? Friday? Is it Friday? And I was talking with Steve, and I said, Steve, you know, I've been here 17 years. I've never been on this court. Never gone to a game. I've wanted to go to a game. And here I am now, 17 years. We're about to purchase the mall. We have more people in the congregation. We're doing more with the church. When it seems as if I actually would have less time, I am finding that God is creating time for me to be here at this meeting. You understand there's a grace to do. The good news is my wife and I had kids so early that by the time I got into ministry, they were grown up enough that now, you know, we're kind of empty nesters and we can really do some things. And I'm like, wow, thank you, Lord. You knew what you were doing. But at the end of the day, in our busiest season, I find I can take on more. Why? Because I feel compelled. How can I serve God? Now, I'm not going to run myself ragged to the point of, Burnout. I won't let myself do that. I know the feeding of the word and praying in the spirit, stirring up myself in my most holy faith. I'm not going to let myself get so ran ragged here, there, or the other that I can't fulfill the, the assignment that I have. But I realize God's grace and power for us to do is probably a little bit bigger if we will tap into the all. Because when you tap into the all, it's amazing how he'll expand your capacity. And what could this church be if everybody was all in? Didn't matter. You understand, no one's in competition here anyway. I'm not better than you. You're not better than me. We can only be one in Christ. If you feel inferior, that's your fault. It's not a congregation's fault and it's not God's fault. That's your own issue that you need to get with God and get over it. Because God loves you. He wants to empower you. If you're feeling tired, say, Lord, help me manage myself so that my all-in is always all-in. Amen. Don't find yourself getting in excuses of where you can start walking back. Loving the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And again, God's not asking everybody. Coach Fred and, and Pastor Angie, they went and did the Osceola. I mean, like they had time. But yet God graced you for that season. And they did a season. Went undefeated, won the championship. Now he's not doing that practice. He's back home with his family. But what an investment. What an opportunity. Just because he, Coach Fred, and, and Pastor Angie decided God wants me to take that on, which means now his grace to do it will be there. Because at the end of the day, my life's not my own, I'm all in. So when Fred's looking at his wife and saying, I'm gonna coach these kids, she then was like, okay. I'm sure there probably were some thoughts like, have you lost your mind? You know, we got our own boys. I mean, we're busy enough. There's all the, but at the end of the day, we're just gonna yield because we're really all into God. And what opportunities come as a result of that? Let's close with this passage of scripture in Ephesians chapter six, verses six through eight. I just want you to examine your heart because you know what? We're coming into Christmas and on Wednesday, we're gonna do a communion service and I'm gonna do the reading of the birth of Christ. And you know what? We love that Jesus Christ came, amen. Aren't you glad that he was born of a virgin, that he is the lamb without spot or blemish? Aren't you glad that he came into the world only to die, to be raised up so that we could have life and life more abundantly? You understand, that's what Christmas is supposed to be about. Right. And honestly, I got this little thing Pastor Hagen sent me that I'm going to read on Wednesday night because I thought it was really good. 
It's this thought between the spirit of Christmas and the spirit of Christ. And too many people are hung up on the spirit of Christmas instead of the spirit of Christ. I'll read it on Wednesday. But as we're coming into this season, you know, when you're around family, you're looking at all this stuff. Are we stopping and saying, recognizing the price paid of the life we live now, the gift that Jesus actually is to us, and how Jesus, when he said, if you want to enter the kingdom or if you want to experience the kingdom, then you need to live. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. If you really want to experience that here, then you have to maintain an all-in attitude. And let me tell you something, guys. Don't think it's not tempting for my wife and I to quit. Don't think that it's not tempting to want to quit, to want to go find a, a position as an associate where you don't feel the weight of everything. Don't think that we're like, let us be book writers and send me to a private island and I'll write books and send it out to the world. You know, be all by myself, just me and my wife and our coconut leaves. <laughs> right? Don't think there's real temptation, you know, to want to break away when every day you wake up and say, my life's not my own. My life's not my own. My life's not my own. I mean, in everything in my life, I'm having to ask the question, can I do this? I mean, my life's gotten to the place, I'm like, can I even do vacation right now? Can we do that? See, my wife and my, we were going to plan a whole uh, uh, mountain trip with our family, go to the mountains for Christmas. We had it planned. But on the inside, Pastor April, I heard the Lord say, mm, maybe not this year. Because there's some things with them all, you're probably going to need to stay close. Now, I didn't realize what is happening right now. I mean, it's like how accurate I was not to go. Because I needed to stay. I needed to be a part of this process. Because now, when we would have tried to go, this would have been a problem. But God knows. And you know what? God rewards me every time I put him first. And I don't feel bad about that. Don't feel bad for me to go, oh, Patrick, I'm going to take a vacation. I'll take a vacation. I leave. I go places. But I do it because he allows me. Now, when I vacation, I don't vacation from God. I press into him more. That's what I do. My wife and I read more, pray more. We spend more time with him because we know what's going to come when we show back up. What's it say? Always do what is right and not only when others are. This is why it becomes easy. And I could probably test the whole congregation is that you don't have to do anything at Anchor Faith Church. You know what? You have no responsibility. You don't have to serve at all. Just come. That'd find out real quick how committed you are to the vision. Be pretty simple. Would you come here because you believe words of life are here? Because God's changed your life here? Because God's grown you here, strengthened you here? Now, we all aspire to do things and be used, and you're going to be used. In fact, you know, that's why you're not just taking off just to take off. But at the end of the day, you're wanting to do it not because someone watches you. Whether you're in an usher shirt or not, are you still going to praise God? Whether you're on the platform or not, are you going to play, praise God? Whether you work in the parking lot or not, are you going to pick up trash? Are we going to do it? Why? Because we know that we are to please Christ as his servant by doing his will. Serve, in this case, your employers heartily and with love as though you were serving Christ and not men. Be assured that anything you do that is beautiful and excellent will be repaid by your Lord, whether you are an employee or an employer, meaning whether you are in a position of authority or whether you're not. If you'll come doing it because you know God's watching and he's examining your heart motives of why you do what you do. God knows how honest your praise is because he's been watching you 24-7. He knows whether this 30 minutes of praise is reflective of a week of praise or were you doing something else in that week and you're putting on something that's not real. 
Because you want everybody in the house to think that you love God. Are you hearing me? This is why we can't always tell by the way someone responds. But there are evidence that we can tell. Because you can tell by their willingness to serve. Their willingness just to do what's within the house to do. Their eagerness to be involved where they can be involved regardless of what it looks like. And for some, you know, we ask, don't even get involved right now. We want you to get built up, strengthened, you know. Maybe you've gone through some life's trial or tribulation and you just need to sit and rest. Well, man, you ought to take full advantage of that moment because you understand that's not typical. That's not typically where we stay as saints. We get where we're going to have to exercise. We're going to have to do some kind of action. We're going to get involved. We're going to put our time somewhere. We're going to have to have some form of of letting down our will to go and do this when we want to do it to make sure that we're accomplishing this. Those times have come, but you know, if we're in this place where we're getting built, then man, we should be all the more eager to be here. To be ready. To be excited. To serve. To be passionate. And the only reason it could get quiet right now is because you're having an all problem. Because if you don't have an all problem right now, you'd be jumping and running and shouting. Because I don't have an all problem. That's why when I go to camp meeting, I worship like I worship in my own house. You understand? I don't not worship because, you know, I'm a pastor. I worship there too. I sing. I lift my hands. And if my pastor starts running in the spirit, I'll take off with him to get whatever it is that he's got. I mean, I am all in with him and the house and the vision. And I take notes and I'm taking notes of every speaker and I'm growing and I'm pulling on every relationship I can and growing. And I'm there on time. I'm there early. I'm staying late because I'm going to get mine because I want what God has to deposit in me because I'm all in on this thing. He, I am not here just not to burn in hell. I am here because he gave all so I'm going to give all. I'm going to praise him with all. I'm going to serve him with all. I'm going to give him with all. I mean he's all in. All I got. All we are. All we have is his. It's his. Because he deserves it. He deserves it. And let me tell you this, in case you're questioning, because some of you are. Jesus thought you were worth it. That's why he gave all. Don't cheapen his all for you. Don't be so hard-hearted and arrogant as to think that God made a mistake to give all for you. He did not. He didn't make a mistake one because he knows who you can be when you yield to him. And all he is saying to you now is son, daughter, just give me all like I gave you all. And man, I'll grace you. I'll empower you. I'll strip things away. I'll heal broken hearts. I'll bind up the broken thing. I'll mend you. I'll change you, transform you. I'll heal you. I'm, you listen, you're already famous because God knows your name. You're already in the beloved. In Christ, you are God's perfection. And he wants you to experience that life. But when you're not all in, then he's really just a religion to you. And he don't want to be a religion to you. He wants to be your heavenly father who loves you and wants to bring all his kingdom at your disposal. Thanks again so much for listening to this episode. If you'd like to get more of our content, you can subscribe wherever you're listening, whether that's on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, etc. 
You can also watch our weekend messages at youtube.com forward slash anchor faith when they air every Thursday night at 6 p.m. Subscribe to us so you never miss a message and leave us a comment or a like. It really does help. You sharing, rating, and commenting on this podcast and any of our content is the best way to keep it in circulation for others to be influenced with this message of God's kingdom. So please consider sending a link to friends and family, sharing on social media, or simply giving us a rating. And finally, if you'd like more information about Anchor Faith Church and support the work we're doing from St. Augustine, Florida in igniting the city, impacting the nation, and influencing the world, you can visit us at anchorfaith.com. 